0: morning for a brief time. We'll be looking at the portion from which the reading was taken, Matthew chapter 6. So if you'd like to turn back there. Here we see in this chapter the greatest father ever. Who is the greatest father of all fathers? The heavenly father. He Perceives our motives, verses 1 to 8. He provides for our needs, 25 to 30. And he gives us a wonderful example in verse 31 to 34. We won't be covering much of that this morning. But as we look around in our society today, there's a terrible dereliction of duty on the Father's part. We hear of young people. We see young people running riot around the place, breaking in, causing havoc, causing physical harm. comes right back to the fathers, a dereliction of duty. They are pleasing themselves. They're pleasure-seeking people, seeking self-serving self and are self-centred, creating this mass of young people And I imagine before Noah finished the ark, that things were getting out of hand in that society as well as the people increased and multiplied upon the face of the earth. Why are these things happening? Because of the lack of taking up the responsibility by the Father. Well, here in Matthew 6, comes right in the middle, of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter five, six, and seven of Matthew. You have chapter six. And as you read, as we read that portion this morning, and you could read right through the chapter six, you'll find there the use of the word "father" eleven times. I think that's where the word "father" of the Lord is used more times here than anywhere else in the Scriptures. Right in verse one we have ye have no reward of your father verse 4 thy father who seeth in secret verse 6 at the end of that pray to your father who is in secret and thy father who is in secret shall see thee and verse 8 for your father knoweth what things you have and so forth as you go through you find your heavenly father what a wonderful example we have of a father there is none better There can't be any better because he is God, your Heavenly Father. Let's pray as we consider this today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word and how you've shown us the perfect way to be a father that is pleasing to yourself. Bless each father today, Lord. We pray that we would examine our hearts and see if we're measuring up to the wonderful standard set by our Heavenly Father. Minister to the wives, minister to the children today, that, Lord, each family would be united in heaven for eternity. And what a blessing that will be. And I pray, Lord, if that's not the case, and we see it to be not the case now, that we would do all we can as a father <clears throat> to lead our children in that direction, to point them to the wonderful Father up above. Bless as we have a moment in sharing the word in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, verses 1 to 8, as a father, the Lord perceives our motives. He reads his family. You know, you, you... As a father, you look and see the direction that the family is taking. You read your family. God reads his family perfectly. And he perceives our motives. And we see that in verses 1 to 4. Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father who is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You know, God the Father reads our motives. We as fathers should read our family and know why they're doing what they're doing. Are they coming to church to please you? How many have stopped coming because they get to an age, well, I've got a license, I've got a car, I've got money and I can do it my own way because they have not God as their heavenly father. Read your family before it gets to that point. You need to read the family way back when they're one and two year old, when they are being moulded in their character and what they're thinking and, and setting an example to them. But here God is reading his family, or, uh, we people and those that are doing religious service in their giving, in their almsgiving. In verse 3, when thou dost thy arms, let thy left hand know what the right hand doeth, that thine arms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Children can see and read their fathers too. You see, at home, you are the real you. (laughs) When we get out in public or at church, we can become a different person and put it on. And the children can read that. And they are in their little hearts saying, oh, My dad's a hypocrite. Why should I be following him? You see how it works? You need to read them as a spiritual father. But God reads us, and our children can read. And, and when we read God, it's perfect. When we see and understand what He's perceiving, He perceives our motives right down deep. You know, don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing in our almsgiving. And as we go on in that those verses. Verses 5 to 8. <clears throat> and when thou prayest. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray. Standing in the synagogues. And in the corners of the streets. That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you. They have their reward. Again. The children read the parents. It's different at home. I, I have never as far as I can recollect, ask children, what goes on at home? <laughs> That's not my business. That's between you and God. But, folks, we can be all dressed up at church, but our children are seeing what we are in private. God, our Father, is seeing us, and we ought to be ones that see our children and, and read them and see where they're at, that we might encourage them toward heaven. <clears throat> What a blessing it is to have children, to have grandchildren, that you can guide on the way toward heaven. You can pray with them. You can teach them. You can lead them in every way possible. You do that. You set an example to them, and particularly in praying here. <clears throat> in Romans eight twenty six twenty seven, 27, it reads, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered <clears throat> and he searcheth the hearts he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god you see god reads us he reads us when we pray he he sees the sincerity of the prayer if it's coming from your heart in worship to him and praying not just for our needs, but for his glory and praise to be shown through the earth. He reads us as a good father. He knows us. And, and the spirit that is in, inside of us, it says in Romans eight twenty six and 27, we just read, he knows. You know, God doesn't have the wool pulled over his eyes by any one of us and our pretense. He didn't have the wool pulled over his eyes by these hypocrites back in the Lord's day when he was here present, did he? I can I don't know. If he did walk past these people as they were on the corners of the streets and praying and out loud, and did he say hypocrite? I don't know that he would have done that, but he did call them out in Matthew 23 as being hypocrites. Woe, woe, woe to you. It's all pulled on. It's all a farce and when parents do that and when fathers do that the children know it it's all hypocrisy i quit church that's just not on for me it's a lie now that they might, might not be they might not be living as a christian ought and making a judgment outside of being a christian but are they not right when they make that judgment and in serving in 1 corinthians chapter 4 this one's not in matthew but I've put this one here too in First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It reads, For I know nothing by myself, Paul said, Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God of his father. You know, <clears throat> in our service. God perceives our motives why we're doing it. Have you ever been doing something in the Lord's work and you're mumbling and grumbling all the time? You might as well pack up and go home, <laughs> because that's not from the heart for the Lord, you're doing it to be seen of men, or wanting their applause. In first John three, verse seventeen. To twenty one, and I believe we shared this one on prayer meeting night. Whosoever hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? By this we know that we we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and knoweth all things. He knoweth all things. He reads our hearts. He knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. When we do service for the Lord, does our heart condemn us or not? When we we are reading for the children, when we are going to church, do they perceive where we're at? God does, and he reads our hearts. Secondly he provides our needs in back in Matthew chapter 6 in the last part or toward the end of the chapter verse 25 <clears throat> he provides our needs fathers provide for the needs did it say anywhere in that portion that the government provides your needs I'm very strong on this one <laughs> no now we have a, we have a system that's not in a whole lot of places in the world on pension. And when you get older and you can't work, yes. But when you are able-bodied, healthy individual, you meet your needs and the needs of those under your care. When you're able to do that, it reads. Therefore, I say unto you: Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what or what ye shall drink. Nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? So our physical sustenance is first of all mentioned here in these verses. We'll go back if we have time to the spiritual sustenance. But here we read that he meets our needs. In Matthew chapter 7, just over the page, verse 9 through to 11, it reads, "Or What man is there of you? Whom if his son ask bread, you know, of his father, will he give him a stone? If he ask fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father who is in heaven give good good things to them that ask him? Will he give to meet the needs of our physical sustenance? Yes, according to Matthew in the two portions, chapter 6 and 7 you won't give a rock to your son you'll give bread God gives us bread (laughs) physically he provides for our needs in the food side of things it says in 1st Timothy 5.8 but if any man provide not for his own what does it say (laughs) he's worse than especially for those of his own house he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel so we have a father 's responsibility to provide for the needs of our family and not be called an infidel, according to scripture first timothy six eight says having food and raiment, let us be there with content. These things are dealt with here in chapter six, over in the epistles, having food and raiment, let us be there with content in psalm thirty seven verse twenty five I have been young, and now I am old. I can say that I think now. <laughs> yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread why because the heavenly father has provided for the need throughout life and this is, the psalmist said it when he was old he could look back and say this is the testimony I've seen our heavenly father provides for our physical needs and, as, uh, and I always use that it always pops into my mind brother Wicks was praying for his physical needs. He had he needed money to to buy things, didn't have it in early in his ministry. And he prayed, and someone asked him to come and chop a half a tree down that was hanging over a house. And he he did it. (laughs) And he and he was able to provide for his needs at that time. The Lord met through the ministry later in his life, but that's what and he was able to meet the needs of his family. Praise God. Back in this verse, verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. Whether it is in diet, eating and drinking, as we've already read the first half of that verses, verse, and it's expanded in verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air they sow, not neither do they reap, nor the gather into barns. I think the only, well, there's a few that gather in, like the squirrels, we don't have them here, but they gather their things into their holes in the trees but most don't lay it up and they and what does our father do your heavenly father feedeth them if he does that for them he will do it for us are we mu- not much more worthy Is it better than they as it says there and which of you by taking thought worrying about it I think, I think if I ask you, you probably will say, yeah, I have worried at times where you know the next meal might come from. Sometimes we've been taken to that point. And so <clears throat> whether it be diet or whether it be dress, in the last part of verse 25, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Of course it is. <laughs> um <clears throat> And there he expands that in verse 28. And why why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Uh, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Can God clothe you as he clothes the grass of the field and the lilies of the valley? Of course he can. I think the last time I was around lilies was in a... a the last job I did with the bulldozer and my brother and the, the whole dam was full of lilies. You know what we did? We dragged them all out <laughs> and buried them in a, about a 12-foot hole. There was a massive amount of them because they were just clogging the whole thing up. But they were all there. They weren't blooming the, when we were there. There was a few flowers. But God provides for them. He Will he not provide for us? in our diet and in our dress. (coughs) And down in verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Others, we are responsible to provide in diet, food, in dress, in clothes, and most importantly, well, the summary is given of those in verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles sing That's the world. That's what they live for. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Notice the word Father again is used there. He knows we have need and he'll meet those needs. But then in verse 33. It's important, and this is going touching on the spiritual. buck seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, fathers. Above diet and dress, there is destiny, the destiny of the souls of your children. As I said earlier, you have a wonderful privilege to have children born to you. We have that privilege. Grace of life is talked about in the epistles. But where are they going to spend eternity? Are we teaching them to seek first the kingdom of God? Or are we, by our example, all about our work and the money? You know, these things should not be so. We need them, and God will provide them, and we need to work, and if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. But if that's all that's important to you, then you're in trouble as far as the destiny of your children is concerned. What is the sense of clothing them and feeding them if they're going to go to hell for eternity? And it's most important, fathers, that we emphasize the spiritual. 2 Corinthians 12.14 Paul said, and this is of his spiritual seed, I will not be burdensome to you financially, physically for I seek not yours I don't want your stuff but I seek you and we as fathers ought to be seeking them that God has given to us they're going to live for eternity I seek you for the children ought not to lay up for the parents but the parents for the children he goes back to the physical this is the responsibility the parents lay up Provide for the, ch- the children and not the children for the parents. In John 14 verses 1 to 6. I go prepare a place for you. He is laid up for us. He is preparing for us an eternal place to dwell in. In Proverbs 13 verse 22 it says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. What would you la- rather leave to your children? A physical inheritance or a spiritual inheritance? We'll close with this because we've only got, we only got—we didn't even get to the touching the se- second point. But <clears throat> what would you rather? What would God rather us? Well, he, yes, meet their physical needs. But the spiritual need is most important. Laying up an inheritance. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's. Children, that's the grandkids, physically but spiritually. When you've gone, if the Lord doesn't come beforehand, what will your grandchildren and great-grandchildren say of you? You know, I, I can look back into my family and, say, and praise the Lord. I can go and visit the graves and look on the grave, the headstones, and read what they put there. It's Christian. <laughs> You know, you can read it and say, there, save people. And, and great-grandfather went knocking on doors of all Dandenong. Now, that Dandenong was a lot smaller than what it is now, of course. <laughs> and handing out tracts. Uncle Cecil visited everybody up in the Yarra Valley when he was pastoring the Westbourne Church, knocking on doors, selling rollies, but for the express, express purpose of giving the gospel. Can we say that somebody will look back in our life and say they were all about themselves and getting a a big thing down here on earth together, a mansion down here, but not a mansion over the hilltop. I pray that as fathers, our kids will look back and our grandkids will look back and our great children will look back and say he was a spiritual man. He desired more to be in the fellowship with the church and the people of God and to be out there getting people and talking to people about the Lord. That's the heritage that we ought to be leaving our children. Get to it and do it. There's, there's opportunity. And as John has said recently, there's the opportunity that's going to close to be put in tracks out, I reckon, pretty soon in our country. You can see the net closing by the government regulations and free speech and things. And you can't do that anymore. You can't put on internet the things you... You can't preach over the internet anymore. It's coming. But before that, we have the opportunity to get out there and to leave a testimony of boldness to our children in taking the message. Physical sustenance, and we have just started on the spiritual sustenance, and we go back to the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father... Our Father. What do you think of your Father? His love, his concern, his compassion, his plan, his purposes, his warnings and wooings. I'd love to have gone there this morning, but our time has gone. We go home, yes, enjoy the family time together. But remember, it's more than physical, it's eternal, it's spiritual. And we need to lay up our treasures in heaven where nobody can break into them. Down here. The government, anybody can break into them today. But praise God we have a Father who will not break into the account that we have in heaven. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Though it is brief, we we have a wonderful passage before us and I pray